Hey there, thanks for joining us for the latest podcast from Resound Church. We really believe that together we are better, and our heart is to reach, send, nurture, and disciple people as they become all that God has intended them to be. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or head over to our website, resound.church forward slash app, to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I'm coming to you today in your home to talk to you about Good Friday. Good Friday to me is one of those strange days. We say it's the most holy day in the Christian calendar. Yet traditionally what happens on Good Friday, especially for Christians, is they would normally go to church, perhaps for a short service, and then they'd go home and you'd spend the rest of the day not sure exactly what you're supposed to do. The most holy day seems to be one of the days that is also the emptiest. There's usually no sport, no shops are open, no cinemas are open. Uh, There's not normally a tradition of getting together with family on Good Friday. It's the holiest day on the Christian calendar, but in many ways, it's also the emptiest day on the Christian calendar. Easter Sunday is fairly straightforward for some. This strange rabbit that lays eggs, I didn't know rabbits laid eggs, but a rabbit that lays eggs somehow drops chocolate eggs. I, I didn't think that was a thing either, but somehow, some way, there's usually the arrival of some Easter eggs. Usually there's a celebration. Church is all excited. It's Resurrection Sunday. Often there's family gatherings after church on Sunday and and Sunday sorts itself out. It seems okay. Often there's some sport on later in the afternoon too. Good Friday is just not quite like that. It's, it's a little different. Perhaps you've got a Catholic background and that means on Good Friday, no fish. I mean, sorry, no meat. You're supposed to eat fish. I don't know why, but apparently meat turns bad on Good Friday and and you're stuck with fish alone and usually the fish we eat is probably worse than the fish that you would normally get. The places that do the most business on Good Friday is the fish and chip shop because still people whether they're Christian or not, Catholic or not, think that they're supposed to eat meat on good, uh, fish on Good Friday. Again it's a it's a strange thing but I want to take you back for a few moments to the cross Because ultimately Good Friday is about the day that Christ gave his life. He gave it for you and I. And while Good Friday for us is filled with many different activities, for him it it was a horrific day. When we know what he went through, when we know what he suffered, ultimately ending in his losing his life, it's uh, it's profound. You know, my status has changed because of the cross. My status previous to the cross was developed as a result of, you know, my upbringing, my social status in the world in which I live, my education. My status is based on all of these human achievements. My status for some would look to be high, for others it would look to be low. But ultimately my status was based on my experience, yours too. But the cross changed my status changed my position in society. It placed value on me that wasn't previously there. My status changed because of the cross because I found out that there was a God that not only loved me, but one who gave his life for me. 
We speak in terms of father and son. The father sacrificed his own son that I might live. And as a result, my status changed. My worth changed. Because my worth is now determined by what Christ did, not by what I do. And so there's a significant change in my status because of the cross. The cross purchased my redemption and my salvation. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us is in a position where we're born sinners. As a result of Adam and Eve's discretions, somehow sin has been passed on throughout mankind and, and it finds itself resident in me as well. All of us have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. There was a price that needed to be paid. And the price that needed to be paid has been paid through what Christ did on the cross for me. There was a, a, a cost to my sin and Christ paid the price. He redeemed me. He purchased me, if you like, by purchasing the penalty that was on my head. He saved me from the ultimate punishment that my sin deserved. And so I'm saved as a result of what Christ did on the cross. You know, in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, it says this, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. My salvation, my redemption has been purchased because of what Christ did on the cross on that great Friday so many years ago. The cross provides a choice with regard to my relationship with God. And it provides a choice for you as well. You see, what Christ did is he made provision for me to be reconciled with my Father, my Heavenly Father. He, he did that through what he did on the cross. He purchased the opportunity for me to gain a, 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 a choice whether or not I reconcile together with my Heavenly Father. So just because of what Christ did doesn't mean I'm immediately reconciled with my Father. What it does mean is he afforded me the opportunity of receiving what he did and then gaining the opportunity of rebuilding that relationship. Ultimately, the choice is mine. The choice is yours. It's not something that happens automatically. Christ has done the work. He's paid the price. The question is whether or not we take up the opportunity that is ours of being reconciled with our Heavenly Father. It's a choice given to you, it's a choice given to me, but it's a choice that needs to be presented to the people all around us as well. See, unless we present the opportunity, they won't know that they've been given a choice. We're not obliged. We get to choose. It's an opportunity for you, it's an opportunity for me. The cross presents a new way of conducting relationships here and now. And some of you say, well, what do you mean by that? How does it change relationships? Well, you see, Christ in his example has shown us how it is that he conducts himself with those who are, at that point, his enemies. I think of the suffering and the pain that he suffered physically, emotionally and relationally. We understand, to a small degree, something of the physical pain that he suffered. 
But emotionally, he was also distant as well. He was away from those that loved him and those that he loved. As we read through the experience he suffered on the cross, we see how he was separated from his own mother and and asked one of his close friends to look after his mother. We know that he was hanging on a cross and watching for those that he loved, those disciples that he'd spent so much time with, and he would have seen perhaps them hiding in the distance, knowing that his suffering was also causing them suffering. Not just the suffering of losing him, but the suffering that came about as a result of the persecution that they themselves would experience. Emotionally, Christ, when he went to the cross, he suffered. He also suffered relationally. As a matter of fact, he asked the question, why, God, have you forsaken me? In other words, his heavenly father forsook him because he took our sin on the cross. And as a result of that, relationally, he suffered. There was distance in his relationship between his father and him because he took the price that we ought to have paid. And so we see it in the middle of all of this suffering that he's going through, the pain physically, the emotional distance he experienced and the relational distance he experienced, we see him say these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When you think about it, it's really quite profound. And he set an example for us. In the, in the middle of the greatest trial he could ever suffer, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. In other words, if, if I don't have to do this, I don't want to do it. Yet it was, it was necessary for us to be reconciled together with the Father. And so Jesus, in going through this pain, this arduous task, this extremely, extremely difficult thing, He did it for you and I, but he showed us in the process an example of how we're to relate to one another. Now, there'll be times where we're going through pain physically. I don't know about you, but when I'm going through pain physically, I whinge, I complain, I moan. Some of you are aware of a a very bad virus that circulates during winter periods. It's not the coronavirus. It's something, from my perspective, much worse. It's called the man flu. When the man flu hits a house, it's like all chaos breaks out. Everyone in the house needs to serve the man who's suffering such deep and awful pain as he coughs and he splutters. The man flu produces in the man who's suffering it an attitude that is probably less than Christian. And when we're suffering pain, sometimes we can get grumpy. We can get demanding. We, we can get a little difficult to live with. And, and while we joke about having the man flu, The truth is, when we're suffering physically, the way we treat others can sometimes change. Jesus suffered more physical pain than we could ever imagine, and yet he treated the people around him well. Emotionally, do do you know it's difficult when there is emotional pain that we're suffering? Whether distance with our friends, our neighbours, our relatives, whether it's some upset in a relationship that we've got... Our emotional pain has an impact on us that that actually affects us. And often our attitude towards people changes. The way we treat them changes. The way we think about them changes. Jesus, in the midst of his most emotional trial, found a way to exhibit grace. In our emotional trials, grace is very, very important. 
Just because we're going through the pain of some sort of emotional difficulty doesn't mean we ought to treat people differently. We ought to exhibit the same grace that Christ showed in the midst of his challenge and trial. Relationally, I think most of the upset in our character comes as a result of difficulty in relationships. It may be with our spouse, it could be with our children, it could be an upset in our workplace between another colleague or our boss. It may be a neighbour who's being extremely difficult to get along with. What happens is when there's a difficulty in our relationships, our behaviour can change. It can become uh, less Christian, if I can put it that way. It can become more aggressive, uh, dare I say it, more violent. And, and you know, when we're suffering relational pain, there's an opportunity for us to choose the right way or the wrong way. The reason the cross changes the way we ought to conduct ourselves is we've got an example in Christ. We've got an example of how we should conduct ourselves in the midst of extreme trials, whether they be physical trials, whether they be emotional trials, or whether they be relational trials. Christ somehow found a way to forgive those who are causing him all this pain. He found a way to conduct himself appropriately despite the challenges he was facing. Can I say to you, while I'm a long way from perfect, I'm still learning from the way Christ conducted himself on the cross about how I ought to conduct myself in the midst of some of the trials that I go through, knowing that those trials don't compare to what he went through. So the cross, it produces a new way or presents a new way of conducting relationships here and now. And can I suggest to you that you keep rethinking about the way you conduct yourself here and now. The cross prioritises the well-being of others and encourages us to do the same. What Jesus did, he did for others. He didn't need to do it for himself. He didn't go to the cross because he had a problem. He went to the cross because we had a problem. He did it for our well-being and for our eternal security. I cannot change someone's eternal destiny, but I can ensure that I act for their well-being. I can think about what I do, what I say, how I act, so that their well-being is somehow protected or enhanced. It's not a me-first approach. It's not a what-can-I-do-to-advance-my-cause approach. It's a what-can-I-do-to-love-my-neighbour approach. The cross affords the opportunity for us to prioritise the well-being and the eternal security of others. And the way we conduct ourselves is critical in getting the message out. The message needs to keep going out. There was one time that Christ went to the cross, but the message needs to go out continually so that people get the message of the cross. The cross is not restricted just to a, a, a day in which we receive Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. It's a message that reciprocates, uh, or rather reverberates throughout time, throughout history. And it should change our approach, it should change our thinking. You see, whether you realise it or not, the cross actually has changed society. We live in a nation that was founded on Christian principles. So whether you were born into a Christian home or not, the cross had already had an impact on your life because of the society in which we live. 
The cross changes the behaviour of the people around about it. Human ethics were based on, on, on Christian values. And so already our society has been founded on Christian ethics and it's affected us whether we follow Christ or not. The cross's impact has reverberated throughout history and continues beyond today. Let its impact, let its effect continue to impact your life and the lives of those around about you. I know many of you are sitting in homes today and you're, you're watching this little talk about the cross. It's Good Friday and it's a different Good Friday to what it would normally be. Maybe you're sitting with your, your husband or your wife. Maybe you're sitting with your children. Maybe you're sitting with your mum and your dad and wondering what else it is that you can do through the day. By now, many people have been in their homes for days. Um, home's great. But there's only a certain number of things that you can do. And, and by now, many people are eager to get out, eager to go for a walk somewhere, eager to go to a shop. Some of you women are saying, oh no, my hair needs to be done. When can I get to the hairdresser and get my hair done? It's probably not likely to be the case with the men. Uh, my hair needs to be done regularly, believe it or not. And, uh, but I'm in a stage now where I can probably do it myself and no one can tell the difference. So it's Good Friday, you're locked in your house. It's a day of celebration, but it's also a day of mourning. I mourn the fact that Jesus had to give his life for me, but I celebrate the fact that he was able to persevere and to continue that the Son of God went through all that he went through so that I could live. I don't want to waste that. I don't want you to waste it as well. Right now, what we're going to do is we're going to share together in communion. We're going to remember the death, the resurrection of our Saviour. We're going to take a piece of cracker, a biscuit, or whatever it is that you've got prepared. We're going to take some juice and we're going to partake together. But just remember, you know, this biscuit, this cracker, represents the shed or the, 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 the body that was broken for us, represents a body that hung on a cross. And um, we've already talked a little bit in the past about how this body was broken, but it's significant. It's, it's uh, hard to imagine the pain that would have been suffered. And yet Christ allowed his body to be broken for you and I. Bible says that by his stripes we are healed. And that means many different things. You know, there is physical healing as a result of the cross. But there's emotional healing as a result of the cross. But ultimately for me, there is restoration in relationship between myself and my heavenly father, which to me is the greatest healing. There is healing on the cross and the greatest healing is the restoration of a relationship between my father and I. The blood that was shed... And you know, in our day and age, the thought of blood being shed is an awful thing. I remember one time we were in the kitchen in the cafe and um, someone without realising it had cut their leg and we looked down on the ground and there was literally blood everywhere. It was an horrific sight. We quickly got to the, the guy to the ground when we realised the extent of the bleeding. But the sight of the blood, the thought of the blood, there were two people in the kitchen that ran out of the kitchen feeling sick because of the blood that was there. You know, as we understand it, Jesus' blood was shed for us. 
It wasn't a minor cut. His body was broken. His blood was shed. He did it for you. He did it for me. And I hate for what he did to go to waste. Can I encourage you today, as we eat and we drink, as we consider what Christ has done, don't let any benefit of the cross go to waste. Change the way you conduct yourself. Treat one another well. Love your neighbour, as Jesus said we ought to. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The the cross demands a response. It demands you make a decision. Either accept what Christ has done and live in the fullness of it or reject him completely. Now, there are people in our neighbourhoods that need to hear the message. You and I are conduits for this message. I'm going to pray now and we're going to partake together. Father, I hold in my hand these two emblems that represent both the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Our Father, I'm praying to you and you know better than us the price that was paid. But what I do in my own humble and simple ways, I want to say thank you. Thank you for the broken body and the blood of your son that was given so that we might be reconciled together with you. We eat today both mourning and celebrating. Mourning the price that was paid, mourning the loss of your son, but celebrating that he was risen again, that we might have life. Father, we eat today doing so in obedience to Jesus' words. That is, we remember your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat and drink together. So that's Good Friday. I want to encourage you to spend the rest of the day, enjoy yourself, be grateful for what God has done. It's not a time of mourning. I know times are difficult. But um, consider it pure joy when you go through trials. We're in the midst of a trial. Choose joy as a result of what Christ has done. And may your life be a light that shines brightly so that others can see all that Christ has done for you and is also done for them. Thanks. Hey, what a great message. Thanks for joining us here at Resound Church. We pray that you've been encouraged through the message and that you've grown just a little bit closer to God. While you're online, why don't you head over and give us a like on Facebook or Instagram or check out our website at resound.church. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or head over to our website resound.church forward slash app to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. Well, don't forget next week, there'll be another amazing podcast here to listen to from Resound Church. We hope you join us then.